Welcome to the Identity Trust Pulse, where you can hear the latest trends and insights from the fraud and identity industry, and find out more about minimizing fraud risks to your organization. I'm your host, Pratik Chowdhury, and I'm joined by Sheldon West. Hi, Sheldon. How are you? Hi, Pratik. Doing well, thanks. How are you? All good. Thank you very much. Sheldon West is the Fraud and Identity Data Science Team Lead at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. And today we're going to discuss machine learning and how to leverage machine learning for, to strengthen the fraud detection and optimize between risk and customer experience. Sheldon, firstly, what got you into data science? And can you talk a little bit about your day-to-day role and responsibilities inside LexisNexis Risk Solutions? Sure. So what got me into data science, first of all, then um, I would track that back to when I was working at a global bank uh, leading investigations into corruption uh, globally. Um, The size of the reported corruption scandals at the time uh, was such that we really needed the help of a lot of data scientists to find the suspected criminal activity. So working closely with them, uh, I was really blown away at just how creative they could get and, and how efficient they worked as well. So that really inspired me with with some of their help as well. Uh, to retrain, go back to uni, do a master's in data science part-time. Fast forward a few years uh, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've never looked back since uh, that decision. Uh, So day-to-day here, uh, the team and I, well, we're responsible essentially for helping our customers get the most out of LexisNexis Risk Solutions products. They're very powerful, but a lot of that power sits behind the customizability that is on offer. So with all the data we generate, to get even more out of that, If we can work with our customers uh, in terms of them sharing with us the examples of fraud they're facing, then we can help tune systems uh, and as well as innovate alongside them uh, to keep making our products better and better. Great. According to the Digital Payment Fraud in High Growth Markets report that we launched recently, respondents chose machine learning and artificial intelligence usage as the number one feature they consider most important in fraud management solutions. Why do you think that is? I mean, this is certainly a very exciting result for me and the team. Um, I believe that uh, that response actually topped even detection of account takeover. Um, so, you know, maybe this is because of just the wide range of use cases which machine learning and AI uh, methods can help with, um, particularly when you compare it against more traditional rule-based systems. Um, I think, you know, we can probably get into more detail later, but certainly things more emerging threats such as scams. Uh, and money mules, um, there is a place for these rule-based systems, but really having machine learning at the heart of a lot of the the, the, the risk mitigation strategies uh, you drive is going to show you a lot better performance in the long run, just given how difficult these challenges are to solve. So I know machine learning and AI has been a term, a hot topic for the last five to 10 years, right? But there's still gonna be some listeners wondering exactly what we mean by machine learning in terms of fraud. Can you explain a little bit um, what we mean by machine learning in terms of fraud? Sure. So I think machine learning exists, um, I guess, as a practice which uh, allows us to to enable machine to make decisions without us having to explicitly program every single little bit. And that's because we can, as data scientists, choose the right data to feed it so that it can learn uh, different thresholds, different ways of combining features. So when that comes to fraud, Um, There are probably two main practices which uh, most of our customers are looking for. One would be um, what we'd call supervised learning. So that's where you take um, some data as inputs and then you compare it against a label. 
So for every single payment at a bank, for example, we can say all of these payments were good. Here is the minority which were fraudulent. Here is the minority which were account takeovers. Here are the ones which are scams. Machine learning model, go learn the patterns, find the thresholds which will enable us to stop it. That's probably a very uh, over, uh, you know, oversimplified explanation, but at a high level, that would be a supervised learning, which will enable us to better mitigate uh, these fraud risks. Uh, on the other side uh, of, of machine learning, there's also unsupervised learning. So that is um, not going to require a label for every single uh, event or every single payment, for example. Uh, instead, that is looking to the machines, to algorithms, to find uh, one, maybe segments, different segments of interest within the data. So maybe trying to segment your customer base into meaningful groups, which are easier to handle and learn from, uh, rather than having to think about all 20 million of them and the many different permutations there might be. This is also a great way um, to get to anomaly detection. So there are different algorithms which don't have to force every single observation into a cluster. It can find the ones which are just so different and so uh, so distant from all of their peers that they would be classed as anomalies. Uh, so this can be really good, particularly for certain use cases where it may not always be obvious where your fraud is. Got it. So that's in general. Um, so what about more specifically, how do we use machine learning models um, you know, to optimize for customer experience, trust and risk? Do you have any specific specific examples? Yes, yeah, so I think you know, a big part of the work that me and the team do for our customers is to try and help them separate the, the bad actors uh, and the, the, you know, the, 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 the fraud events, the scam events from all of the legitimate uh, um, interactions going on by end consumers. Um, of course, the grand majority of everything is, is the legitimate use case. So we want to ensure a great experience uh, for those who deserve it. So those who should be trusted um, so somewhere between uh, on this spectrum, I suppose, of, of risk to trust, our machine learning mod models will be producing a score which allows our customers to, to understand the level of risk at hand and also the type of risk ideally as well. Um, so for example, when you're making a large purchase, um, it's actually really good peace of mind for your bank to, to step you up a little bit, maybe ask you to do a multi-factor authentication. It's quite low effort, particularly if it's a large transaction you want that, as I say, for some peace of mind. This is also a great uh, way of mitigating uh, a lot of traditional fraud types, such as account takeover. You want to know if someone's logged into your account from a weird device on an unusual location making a huge payment, right? So this is a great uh, way of mitigating that type of risk. But there are a lot of emerging risks, particularly over the last few years, where that is not the right response. So in particular, scams where a fraudster is socially engineering someone and driving them to make a payment themselves to pay away their life savings, um, you can't stop that with, an, uh, with a step up because the end user, the victim, uh, is just going to go right through that. So if we can identify this, uh, then we can drive a different experience which maybe requires a little bit more resources, a little bit of an investigation and a personal touch with a phone call to the customer to help them realize that they need to stop um, what they're about to do. So I see a lot of companies treating this as a silver bullet, treating machine learning as a silver bullet. Uh, you work in it every day. Do you believe it is a silver bullet? Uh, I mean, I'd like to say yes, but unfortunately not. Um, I think there's probably a few key ingredients. Um, at the end of the day, machine learning is a set of tools you know, based on statistics, maths, 
Um, but at the end of the day, it does need the data, as I said. I think the other thing uh, would be you know, a skilled data scientist or team of data scientists with all of the different kind of um, you know, strengths uh, that they might bring as a team, um, but inclu including also uh, some domain expertise as well. That's particularly important when it comes to crime and fraud and financial crime. Um, there's no up-to-date textbook which explains everything criminals are doing. It's shrouded in a little bit of secrecy, right? And they're always evolving, always adapting. So having that kind of intuition, which you can add into on top of the data, is extremely important. But I'm not going to neglect how important that data is itself. You're going to need a wide set of data describing different phenomena, different aspects of what you're dealing with, um, and it needs to be reliable. Right? You, you need to make sure that that's clean, that you have a good kind of source of that coming in. Um, and this is probably the most important bit for me. Um, and, and that kind of comes back to the data scientist as well. So I mean, certainly a tip which was given to me early on in career is, yeah, learn your models and what they're for, learn how to do all the hyperparameter tuning and all the very technical stuff, um, but never neglect your data transformation skills. That is what's going to unlock the creativity in the data scientist because it allows them to take a core data set and say, hang on, if we look over here, we can bring in some other data. And over here, some other data. Bringing all that together, we can then generate even more features, more complex features, which really can capture the heart of, for example, the fraud we're trying to stop. And that is going to be much more powerful than just hyperparameter tuning and trying to perfect the, the, the way that the machine has uh, learned what it has. Um, so on that topic then of having you know, really varied data sets, I think that's one of the main reasons that, that myself and the team enjoy working where we do. Um, you know, innovation is in our DNA as well. Um, so I think that you know, is one particularly interesting new feature we have. Um, you know, a lot of what we've done in the past is, is, is maybe you know, this very technical stuff, which is, is good um, at, at kind of def deferring account takeover. Um, but again, with the rise in scams, we've needed to evolve to meet that. Um, so actually, there's two, two things I'll talk about. One are our beneficiary insights. So by crowdsourcing uh, intelligence on accounts and where money is going, um, even outside of the customers we work with, uh, we have a really good source of intelligence on the level of risk uh, that we think is attached uh, to that account. Uh, and that's not the type of thing you're going to get um, if, you, if you're working on your own. That's the only something we can have um, and we can enjoy by all working together. The second feature, which for me is particularly exciting, um, is, is because it, it's involved a lot of, um, I think, work across the whole spectrum, all the departments uh, we have here. Um, and that's because we've been really thinking, how is it that fraudsters succeed in scams? If you think about social engineering, it requires some channel of communication being open between the fraudster and the victim. So if we are able to engineer a, a feature or a product um, which allows us to establish that a phone call uh, is occurring at the point of a payment, particularly a large payment perhaps, then we are able uh, to really um, gain an advantage again over the fraudster. For so long it's been so hard to uh, mitigate scams because it's been legitimate users coming from their own devices, from their normal locations, um, and that's been really hard to deal with. But now if we can see that unusual phone call is, is, is happening, then again, we, we have a really strong advantage now. So that's that's where uh, active call detection was born. It's, it's a new feature. Uh, the banks in the UK are, are really enjoying it, making a good success of it. So tell me this then, if can we have two machine learning models in play at the same time? Right. For example, one for behavioral biometrics, active call detection, and one for 
a new account opening use case. Can there be two active or multiple active models at the same time? I think this is a really interesting question. So maybe I'd start with the idea of uh, that user journey. So uh, in in a banking example, uh, again, you know, there are many stages in that life cycle from signing up, from enrolling your device, logging in, maybe resetting a password, adding a beneficiary, making a payment, making an international payment, um, setting up a direct debit, editing a direct debit, so many things. So if you think about all of those event types I just said, you'll do certain ones more than others. Um, and certain ones are perhaps more critical to um, mitigate fraud um, at, and, and it you know kind of entails a higher level of friction being acceptable to users, particularly at payments, for example. So having different models which specialize, which specialize, sorry, uh, at different um, parts of that journey, I think is a powerful approach. And particularly if you're looking at models which can um, target um, different fraud types. So again, I've talked about account takeover. That's all about detecting something anomalous, something very unusual, a new device, for example, on your account. With scams, again, it is accepting that most of your behavior is going to look trusted, but there's just something not right. And that might be that you're setting up a payment to a very unusual account, or you have been on the phone for a very long time in the past hour. Things like this can be super useful. And so, um, you know, machine learning models are can be very powerful, but they are essentially um, as good as the data that's fed to it. So if the behaviors are diverging, they're op op you know, essentially opposites, then having two different models or certain types of models which are capable with dealing with very different uh, target behavior types, um, then this would be a better strategy. Okay, got it. And you've mentioned a couple of banking scenarios here. Um, let's try turn our thoughts to e-commerce. Do you have any specific examples of how machine learning models have helped particular e-commerce companies? Yes, so I think you know e-commerce um, customers we're working with, we see a wide range of issues that they're facing. Um, so whether it be genuine users' accounts being taken over, or uh, accounts being created by fraudsters who are then using stolen credentials, even testing them out before finally managing to cash out, uh, that involves two very different types of behaviors. Um, I think you know, we're performing really well in that area and have been for quite some time. Um, probably the more emerging threat for e-com that we're seeing uh, are the more opportunistic fraudsters, kind of taking advantage of things like um, you know, refunds policies, returns policies, uh, all those kind of commercial gestures which the e-commerce uh, organization might make. Um, and it's become very competitive, of course, that industry recently um, with a lot of um, you know, really quite good um, um, you know, deals, I guess, on offer to end consumers who, who are trying to do their shopping online um, and, and they want to be able to make a free return. So, you know, if we can, again, if you think about that risk to trust spectrum, if we can identify the grand majority of users who are well-intentioned and we can assign even more trust to them than someone plucked out by random, then those are the ones which um, our e-commerce customers will be able to confidently say, yes, we can offer a free return, we can offer an instant refund, um, rather than having to draw out that process, which is you know, really good for um, attracting those end consumers back again and again. Yeah, customer loyalty, re yeah, retention, that's the sort of golden egg in e-commerce at the moment, right? Um, so why people shy away from machine learning models is because they feel it's too much of a black box, right? Don't really understand what's going on how do we change that perspective? 
how do we change that you know it's not a black box this is although it is very highly technical things going on but this is how to understand the results of it yeah th this has definitely been a challenge for a few years um, but that's also driven a lot of research so in academia which is now making its way more into industry so for the past few years we've been using a particular technique um, which is called uh, SHAP short for Shapley values um, and this is a really powerful technique and it allows you to interpret um, at multiple levels even really quite complex models so the more complex models we use as well um, I think that has really good outputs um, as I say on different levels um, the, the three main ones really would be being able to output the most important features to the model which is really good for data scientists but also model governance committees for example a second level output would be being able to visualize how a given feature interacts with the target so the fraud you're trying to capture um, again great for data scientists and model governance committees and then the third output would be for any given event any given payment for example being able to output uh, specifically what um, features played a role in coming to the prediction uh, that the model did so that's the type of interpretation which is incredibly valuable uh, for anyone working um, you know with with for example the alerts created by such a model it allows them to know roughly what might be going on what type of script maybe they should follow when talking uh, to a customer to try and ascertain whether it was them or, or indeed whether they might be um, in the process of being socially engineered so you know plain language reason codes right that anybody in fraud can understand rather than being highly technical that's the way to go i think yeah there's there's still things we could do probably to get to that kind of natural language output you know we the, i think the abilities of uh, machine learning is always probably a little bit ahead of where we can uh, go with explanation but certainly i think you know that's where the team and i are, are, are you know, spending a lot of time talking through these kind of outputs and helping people uh, get comfortable with them doesn't take long it's actually quite fun i think um so it will save you a lot of time in the end given machine learning models you know we have a lot of success stories i can share just how dramatically false positives are reduced it should enable you to spend that little bit longer actually uh, on a given investigation um to kind of think about what's going on given things like uh, these outputs i've just described here awesome i look forward to that and, and lastly sheldon what have you currently got your eyes on that's you know interest you they could be in in the fraud world, machine learning and fraud, or externally as well. You know, what what sort of interests you at the moment? Yes, so I think in the fraud world, more professionally speaking, generally, uh, I'm very interested in sequence models. Um, so I kind of alluded or touched on earlier the kind of sequence of events you might go through in a typical banking journey or in an e-com journey. Um, if you think you're about to make a very large purchase um, on an e-com website. You might actually go back over to your app on your phone, check your bank account, think about it a little while, go back to the e-com site, see if there's anything a little bit cheaper maybe, go back to your phone. Um, so there's these kind of sequences which we're doing every single day, right? And there's also sequences which fraudsters follow, very atypical things. And I think we produce a lot of great data and you know, traditionally a lot of that data might be looked at upon an event by event level. And even though we are helping the events kind of talk to each other different touch points in the user journey talk to each other i think there are many opportunities to kind of programmatically discover these anomalous journeys which fraudsters are taking and really call them out on that and, and not give them uh, any place to hide as they try and probe systems more widely um, i'm recently quite interested in a new paper which has come out called tab pfn 
uh, that stands for a pre-fitted network um, which would work on tabular data. This is very exciting um, because it claims to be able to give the types of results of you know, top-level models uh, like light gradient uh, boosting machines, uh, but be able to do that um, with less than a second required for training versus 10 minutes, an hour maybe, uh, depending on how long you'd spend training. Um, this is because the authors of the paper have taken a really novel approach rather than thinking about a model which needs to learn from scratch every time with a new data set. They've actually devised many, many, many artificial data sets which uh, this, this network has, has uh, used to, to um, find ways to establish what causes relationships between data and a target. So that even with a very small number of samples, it, it can quite quickly understand what causes the data at hand. And that means it's an incredibly powerful property which enables it to um, perform at very accurate levels. Again, just one second um, required to, to get that kind of extra adjustment from the model. Fantastic. So this is super exciting. So I think you know it's, it's one which I would definitely recommend a lot of people to read the paper, try the code. It's all open source, which is, which is great. Uh, and start thinking about, well, how do we start using it? Amazing. Well, Sheldon, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me here. Great. No, I learned, I learned quite a lot. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, to our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And to read the Digital Payment Fraud in High Growth Market report, visit the link in the description and join us again soon for another episode of the Identity Trust Pulse. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to and shall not be used as legal advice. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the speakers and don't necessarily reflect the views or position of LexisNexis Risk Solutions. LexisNexis Risk Solutions does not warrant that the information provided in this podcast is accurate or error-free.